Michigan fans can get upset as much as they want, but in Georgia, Ohio State has its toughest test of the season. You are locked on Big Ten. Your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, thanks for tuning in to Locked On Big Ten, your first listen every weekday for everything you need to know about the Big Ten Conference. Coming up on today's podcast, Georgia has maybe the best offense in all of college football. Ohio State has maybe the best defense in all of college football. So what happens when those two teams meet on the gridiron in the college football playoff? We'll dive into that here on Locked On Big Ten. But before we do, a reminder that Locked On Big Ten is the place to go for any of your Big Ten news any of the time, whether it be here on the podcast, which we thank you for listening in for, or online. You can follow us at Locked On Big Ten. That's one zero at the end, not T-E-N. You do it wherever you get your podcasts, on YouTube, and also on Twitter, too. It's all the same, at Locked On Big Ten. One zero at the end when you're typing it out, not T-E-N. I'm Nate Dickinson, at Nate with Sports, if you want to follow along with me. Let's dive into this matchup. Georgia. Ohio State. The Bulldogs come in undefeated as the top seed in the college football playoff and as the reigning national champions. The reason why they are the reigning national champions is because of that defense. And while it may not be the elite, elite defense that it was last season, this team still giving up less than 13 points per game. This team is still pound for pound across the positions, if you ask me, the best defense in the country just on pure talent and execution combined. Georgia has done it, they've proven it, they've proven they can win, and done it with the players who have some of the most talent in all of football, both in what they've shown and in what they have on paper, recruiting rankings and things like that. So if you combine all of that together, I said it off the top, it may offend some Michigan fans, but I think that Georgia is, at least, again, on paper, easily the toughest opponent that Ohio State is going to have to face all season. And I'm sure it's a tough thing for Michigan fans to hear, and I've been hating on apparently Michigan all season long, which I take blame for. But Georgia is that kind of good. And let's dive into exactly what it is that Georgia does well. First off, the defense for Georgia is still elite, and when I look at the key matchups here, it's going to be that elite Ohio State receiving core up against that elite Georgia defensive backing core. When you have guys like Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ibuka going after the football on offense, and then on defense, you have guys like Christopher Smith, Malachi Starks in the defensive backfield trying to defend it for Georgia, it's a battle that Ohio State needs to win because they've relied on those receivers to get their touches and get their share of plays throughout the game, throughout the entire season. And if that doesn't happen, then Ohio State loses and loses big. So if Michigan or if Ohio State wants to win this football game, they've got to get some wins on just the pure route running and defensive coverage, because Georgia has the guys where they're going to be confident to go up and play that man-to-man against Ohio State and be confident going into it, be aggressive with it. So when Ohio State gets those wins, it's going to need to execute. When the passes are there, they need to be made. 
We'll get to that in C.J. Stroud a little bit more in just a minute. Another thing to know, the defensive line for the Bulldogs is really, really good, but one of the keys is that it gets pressure in through the middle, which is big, big when you're talking about what C.J. Stroud's going to be able to do here. When you're talking about this Ohio State offense, a lot has been made about what Stroud has been able to do under pressure. He's a really great quarterback when he has a clean pocket. When he has to move around and throw the ball with some pressure on him, the numbers go down. According to PFF, he's at 42% completion when he has pressure as he throws. That's not good. So Georgia's going to want to get pressure in, and Georgia gets pressure in through the middle, mainly from star defensive tackle Jalen Carter key player on this Georgia defense and someone who has been dominant throughout the entire season. And if Ohio State's offensive line looks like it did against Michigan in this Georgia game, it has no shot in trying to stop Jalen Carter there. It's just not going to happen. So what happens if he does get in? Because it's going to happen a few times. You can't just stop him every single play. Well, Ohio State maybe starts putting some extra pressure on him, double teaming him inside, which of course means more pressure from the outside than Jalen or than Jalen than CJ Stroud has to run that he has to throw on the run and of course you get the inaccurate passing that we've already seen so it really comes down to what is CJ Stroud going to get and what is he going to be able to do with what he does get on that defensive side for Georgia you have to remember CJ Stroud's already passing two receivers who are facing arguably the best defensive core that they've faced all season in the defensive backfield. It's going to be really, really good players manning up against the really, really good wide receivers. So when that margin of error just in general is smaller than it normally is, then what happens when you add on the fact that you've got guys like Jalen Carter or anybody else on that defensive line coming at you? Can C.J. Stroud step up and make those plays? That's the big question. And it's been the big question surrounding him the last month, ever since he lost to Michigan the first time. C.J. Stroud has not been able to be the guy to win the big game for Ohio State. And while it's probably unfair, because Justin Fields beat Michigan and Justin Fields won college football playoff games, it's gotten to a point now where Fields and the people behind him have set this precedent that the standard is that the only games that matter at Ohio State are the games against Michigan and the games in the college football playoff. Those are the games that define how you're remembered as an Ohio State quarterback. Not because it's fair, but because that's how far high up the bar has been set by the people before you. C.J. Stroud has yet to win a game against Michigan. He has himself an opportunity in getting in here to play in another game that matters to the Ohio State program. If he can win it, he's going to do it by doing the things that, quite frankly, He's been criticized for his entire career, running and making throws under pressure, fitting the ball into the tightest of pockets, and doing it against the highest of competition. This may be the last chance he gets to do it. So the chance has to be, at least for him, do or die, especially given the stakes all around, but it's even on him, I feel like the pressure is even greater. This is C.J. Stroud's moment and potentially last moment to become something that wasn't just the guy who never beat Michigan. And he starts by beating the best team in college football in the Georgia Bulldogs. Michigan has TCU. We previewed that one before. Ohio State has Georgia. Just talked a lot about that one right now. It's going to be a whole lot of excitement. And of course, we're all rooting for a rematch of Ohio State and Michigan next week. 
We'll see what happens on the college football playoff semifinal field, but it's going to be a tough one for Ohio State to try and win and for C.J. Stroud to try and lead them to that win. We'll see what ends up happening, of course, as the college football playoff gets underway. Before we continue on, in a moment we're going to talk to Trent Condon and preview the Iowa matchup against Kentucky as they get ready to be the warm-up for the college football playoff semifinal games. That's coming up here in just a second, here on Locked On Big Ten. You're hanging out with some friends, putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. But you live nearby, you can make it home okay. It's not a big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? Even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license, you lose your job, or worse, you could kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that doesn't seem to stop everyone from getting behind the wheel. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Thank you for making Locked On Big Ten your first listen every weekday. Make your second listen, Locked On Sports Today. Everything you need to know about what's going on in sports in 20 minutes or less. Just like how we do it on all of our team podcasts, just all of the sports world packed into one. Head on over to Locked On Sports Today as soon as you're done listening in here to Locked On Big Ten. In on Locked On Big Ten, Trent Condon in from Locked On Hawkeyes. I'm Nate Dickinson. Iowa has a bowl game coming up, a rematch. Music City Bowl this time around against Kentucky. Iowa and Kentucky, of course, met last year in bowl season. Trent, this time around, Iowa and uh, Iowa and Kentucky going to Nashville to play this matchup. Uh, before we get into anything else on the field, the big story is that neither starting quarterback is going to be playing in this game. What does that mean for where things are at in the state of both of these offenses? Well, from the Iowa perspective, it's excitement. I, I think it's excitement. We've seen three years of Spencer Petras as a starter, and it's been inc- completely underwhelming. And because of that, you know, there is a little bit of buzz to finally see somebody else. We, of course, saw Alex Padilla both last season and this season out there at different times. Okay, a, a guy that could at least move around a little bit, but certainly not the answer going forward at the quarterback position. He's in the transfer portal, and we'll see where Padilla ultimately ends up. But you have this component now where two young guys are going to get an opportunity. Now, neither of the guys have seen the football field at the Division One level. You have Joey Labus, who uh, comes in, four-star kid from Ohio, didn't have any big-time offers. Same thing with Carson May. Two different type of quarterbacks. Labus, a little bit more of a playmaker, a guy that can do some things with his legs. I think that excites people. And then Carson May, more of your traditional Iowa quarterback, kind of in the realm of a Nate Stanley. Yeah, he's big. He can move around, but he's got a real strong arm. And some excitement there. Now, it is going to be Joey Labus that will get the start. He'll be the one that will be out there and running the reps with the number one. But, of course, you see this offense go back to after the Ohio State game. And the questions were very hot at that time. Is it time to make a change at quarterback? Ultimately, Iowa didn't do that. They stuck with Spencer Petras, and we saw the results as the season progressed out of him. But at that time, the question was asked, well, if it's not Padilla, if it's not Petras, what about the youngsters? What about Labus? What about Carson May? And at the time, Brian Ferentz said, oh, those guys are way behind. Well, that's scary because if you have the worst quarterback duo in college football and your three and fours are that much behind those two guys, how ugly is this going to be? That's where the big question is at the quarterback spot. Yes, it's exciting. We finally get to see these guys, but if they were that far behind, Spencer Petras and Alex Padilla, oh boy, this could be ugly. 
on the other side of the football, uh, you've got the Kentucky team without a quarterback, without a running back to Iowa's defense. Of course, we already know, really good, always really good. Is there any sign that they're going to have too much trouble with what Kentucky will throw at them? Doesn't appear that way. I mean, this Iowa defense, we saw it all season long. You go back, even the Ohio State game. Yeah, they gave up 54, but that was because of the six turnovers. They held Ohio State to, what, 360 yards of total offense. The defense was outstanding that day, completely shut down their running game. This is a Kentucky team that is limited offensively, even when they have their stars out there, and they're not going to be out there. So not only that, Jack Campbell, a lot of people said, well, I mean, we looked at the opt-outs. Jack Campbell, he's not going to play. Jack Campbell's going to play. He's going to be out there, the All-American, the Buckus Award winner. He's going to be out there doing his thing. Defensive line's going to be there. They did have one opt-out defensively. That was Kayvon Merriweather. But the excitement also goes, as we're going to see five-star defensive back, Xavier Wampa out there for the first time in extended minutes. So, yes, you lose one of your stars in All-American and Merriweather, but you bring in a five-star player that we just got to see basically on special teams this year in Wampa, so a lot of excitement about that. Defense is going to be good. They're going to be running around. Oh, there were some reports from practice that already the defense trying to work against the scout team, and they had to slow things down a little bit, say, hey, guys, you know, we, we got a bowl game to get ready for here. We're just trying to help you guys out with the scout team, and the defense has been playing at that level. No surprise, this defense is going to be outstanding. No, the over-under is 31. You know, our buddies at Bet Online have that number out there. I love to gamble. I love to bet Iowa unders. It has been very profitable over the last couple of years. And, and it was, in fact, my first bull bet. As, as everything came out that Sunday and I saw the lines come out, I had to jump on this under. It was 31 at the half at the time. I just can't see either team putting any points up here. This, this thing looks destined for 9-6, 5-3. And maybe we'll get 2-0 or something like that. This thing is going to be defense all over the place. And probably if somebody makes a mistake, that's going to be the difference in this game. I thought about when I was writing down questions, asking something along the lines of like, how, how low could the winning score go? But I don't, I don't, I don't think there's an answer. I, I think you could get, I think you could get as low as like a three, nothing football game easily in this matchup. But was it there? Uh, I think it was the sun bowl a few years back. It was like Oregon state and Pitt, and it ended up three, nothing. I mean, this, this <laughs> thing might be destined for the exact same thing. Who can get a field goal on the ball? Who can get a defensive touchdown? I mean, realistically, in fact, I would love to see the props, and I know they'll come out as we get closer to game time, you know, over-under and touchdown scored for each team, those kind of things, because it's going to be something we've never seen before. This is trending to be the lowest, lowest total in college football history, and if the under money keeps coming in, it's just going to keep going down. So I'm excited to kind of see those numbers and see because it's two inept offenses, two good defenses, two teams that play a similar style. Of course, Mark Stoops, an Iowa grad, and on top of it, we know Ferentz Ball and what it's been for the last 24 years. So it's... It's not going to be pretty. And you're going up against Alabama K-State. I mean, you got a fun game on the other side. They got their guys, obviously, for Alabama playing in the game. And then you have this one. It's going to be it's going to be a lot of national people, I think, making fun of this game because it is going to be ugly. Uh, what's the feeling about playing the same team for the second straight year here in the bowl game? You know, I don't know if this is just bowl games in general and what they're becoming in the, the evolution of college football. And as we trend towards the 12-team college football playoff, there is no buzz. I mean, there, there has been absolutely no talk about it. Now, you, of course, have the transfer portal in Iowa, hitting it with Cade McNamara and Eric Hall coming in. There was excitement about that. We're looking for wide receivers, a possible change in the coaching staff, a lot of people talking about that. About this game individually, though, there is no buzz. And one thing that Iowa's always had, and going back to when they made the Rose Bowl for the first time under Hayden Fry in 1981 and all the way through today, Bowl games love Iowa, and they love having Iowa at their bowl game because we travel. We make our way to the bowl games. We spend our money. We go down there, 
and they do it in droves. And tens of thousands of people that are out there. The Orange Bowl and Kirk Ferentz's first Orange Bowl in 2002. They had 48,000 estimated Iowa fans that made their way all the way down to Miami. I mean, that's not an easy drive. I made it myself that year. Not an easy drive to get down there, and yet that is how many people made their way to Miami. This one, though, even a drivable destination in Nashville, because of the lack of buzz, because of the frustration, the way the season ended, and that inexplicable loss to Nebraska, I wonder how many people are actually going to show up here. It's a rematch. That also kind of does it. It's Kentucky, kind of a boring team on top of it. It's just, it's nothing new. It's nothing different. Even a drivable destination. Will I even get 10,000 people there? I just don't know. I know the sales for tickets through the athletic department have not gone very well at this point in time. We have not got official numbers. And usually when that happens, it means ticket sales are not going very well. Well, it will be your Big Ten warm-up leading up to the two semifinal games later on in the day on Saturday, Iowa and Kentucky for the second straight year. The two teams are going to go at it this time again in Nashville in the Music City Bowl. Trent, thanks as always for talking to us as we lead up to this matchup. It could be an ugly one, but we're used to it. Absolutely. That's Iowa football. Thanks again to Trent Condon for joining us for a couple of minutes on Locked On Big Ten. Before we wrap up the show, a reminder that when you're done here, head on over to Locked On Sports today. Peter Bukowski has everything you need to know about what's going on in the sports world every weekday in 20 minutes or less. All the biggest stories from all around the sports world with our local experts chiming in. If there's something you need to know about the Big Ten, I hop on Locked On Sports today and I talk to Peter about it. We get that inside analysis packed into 20 minutes or less over on Locked On Sports Today, wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Let's wrap up with all of the latest scores and news from around the Big Ten. Quick recap from yesterday. Of course, Maryland won to keep the Big Ten undefeated in bowl games this season. 16-12, the final score against NC State in the Dukes Mayo Bowl. Maryland gets doused with the Mayo, and it was seven field goals combined in that matchup. So, I, I guess, Big Ten football? If you want to call it that, in men's basketball scores, Michigan State beat Buffalo 89-68. to Rutgers beat Coppin State 90-57. And Wisconsin took down Western Michigan 76-66. to On the women's basketball courts, conference play getting underway. Maryland beats Minnesota bad 107-85. to And Penn State beat Rutgers 90-72. to Finally, in men's hockey, one final to tell you about. Penn State beat RIT in the first matchup of their weekend series 6-1. to the final score in that one. In other news on the Big Ten schedule today, we have, of course, Alaska Fairbanks at Notre Dame in hockey. That's not, of course, one of the of course ones of the college football playoff games. Iowa plays Kentucky in their bowl game. RIT has Penn State again on the hockey ice, is back going back to the hockey ice, and Minnesota faces off against Bemidji State on the ice, too. Also, if you are a Michigan or Ohio State fan and want to get that blood boiling before the college football playoff games, at 1 p.m. Eastern time, I want to say, I'm sure about that, 1 p.m. Eastern time, Michigan plays Ohio State in women's basketball. Get those competitive juices flowing as you get ready for the semifinals. As far as my picks for the day, my bets, courtesy of Bet Online, all on the Big Ten, of course. I got Iowa minus three against Kentucky, and I'm taking the over in that all-time low over under 31 points. I think they'll get to more than 31. Iowa minus three in that one, too. Michigan minus eight is where it's at on Bet Online. I'm on it. And Ohio State plus six. Got to be rooting for the Big Ten. Got to get that Michigan-Ohio State final. I'll be back 
with more after the college football playoff games here on Locked On Big Ten. We'll have all sorts of stuff recapping those two semifinals and hopefully getting ready for an all Big Ten final next week. We'll talk about that then. If it happens, until then, be sure to follow Locked On Big Ten at Locked On Big One Zero when you're typing it out at the end wherever you get your podcasts on YouTube and on Twitter. And I'm Nate with Sports on Twitter too. I'm Nate Dickinson. It's been Locked On Big Ten.